Welcome back in to the Impact Is On podcast, your home for all things Michigan State and college hoops, presented by Impact 89FM WDVM. I'm your host, Trent Bailey. I'm here with my guys, per usual, Luke Sloan and Brendan Shabbat. So here's the deal. We got to get into this before we go any further. I have to, big disclaimer here. Um, Brendan has been working at Impact, volunteering at Impact, for over a year now. Uh, what, three semesters? Yeah, since last and, fall. And I've been calling him Brendan Shabath this entire time. And also, I am someone who calls people by their last names as it is. Like, Luke Sloan, I call you Sloan on the regular. Like, that's, that's your name to me. It's Sloan. So I call Brendan Shabath for a year and a half. And finally, uh, after, after last week's episode, he goes, hey, Trent, by the way, uh, that's not how you pronounce my name. I'm like, okay, well, how do you pronounce your name? Shabath. Perfect. It's locked up here. I got it. But here's the funny thing is, you know, Trent Bailey, my whole life, people have called me Trent Bali, Trent Bailey. No one ever gets it right. So I appreciate you correcting me, and, and now I have the ability to correct our fans, our followers. So here we go. Now we can roll forward with the right name, Brendan Shabbat. Yes, Brendan, you're a saint, man. Like, there <laughs> are some it speaks values about how nice he is. Like, <laughs> you go a year and a half of someone calling you the wrong name, I mean – there are tons of people out there that if you walked around and worked with them in a work environment and they got your last name wrong for over a year, there are some people that wouldn't stand that once or twice or for a week. So that's a big shout out, big, big character win. Admittedly, I'm not usually someone to like wait to correct someone because with a last name like mine and the way it's spelled, it's been pronounced horribly over the years. And um, I usually correct people pretty quickly, and I don't know what it was. I just kept forgetting. And it was funny. After the first podcast episode, I always send it to my parents, and my mom says, uh, make sure you tell them how to say your name right. And I was like, okay, yeah, I will. And then the second we started episode two and Trent said Shea Bath, I was like, oh, I forgot. You should have just ripped right into me right there. You should have been like, Trent, <laughs> say my name. And we can just right on the airwaves. We just send it. But uh. Here we are, nonetheless, glad there's no more disrespect from, from one brother to another. It is Brendan Shabbat. It is Luke Sloan. It is myself, Trent Bailey. We're back. We got a lot to talk about uh, on this week's edition of Impact His Own. Uh, exciting victory for the Spartans over Duke on Tuesday. Uh, we will get to that in a moment, I promise. But first, we have to back up. We have to talk about that victory against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. It's been a week since we have talked, fellas. Uh, the Spartans beat the Notre Dame Fighting Irish 80-70 to 70 at home to improve to 2-0 at the time. Uh, shout out to Luke Sloan, by the way, for getting the exact score prediction right. I don't think people understand how difficult that is to do in any sport, let alone basketball, when you could be a free throw off. You know, football, it's like you're doing the math in your head. It's like it's, it's seven and three and all that stuff. Basketball, to predict a college basketball score, blows my mind. So, Luke, what, what, what do you what, – we'll kick it to you first, I guess. What do you think of the win, and how, how the hell did you predict the score so correctly? You know, in all honesty, when we were recording the last uh, edition of Impact Is On, I didn't write a score prediction down on the document, so I was just kind of, like, oddballing in my head. Like, I was like, all right, they're going to win by, like, 10 or 12, I predict. And I was like, you know what, let's just make it an even 10, 80, 70. It did not look good throughout most of the game. State was up pretty big. And then toward the end of the game, their reserves – um, started chipping away at that lead, and and then I didn't I didn't notice it till the final horn. I was like eighty seventy, and I immediately we had 
cozy platform 113 all to ourselves last Saturday. I looked over to my right at Brendan and I was like, you see that final? And then I looked, I yelled down to Trent. I was like, how about that final? I even took off my headset. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm going to do that ever again in my life. Um, well, you might not, but it's incredible. So congrats to you. Also, a little breaking news here on the podcast. Um, the Rockets have traded Russell Westbrook to the Wizards for John Wall in a first-round pick. Uh, this just happened. Obviously, when people listen to this, it'll be old news. And everyone will already have talked about it. But that's kind of mind-blowing. Uh, that puts the Wizards in the playoffs in the East, in my opinion. But, Cassius. Cassius. That affects Cassius. Yeah. Well, that's why I brought it up. I wanted to – if you guys have any thoughts on uh, that. But we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that, actually. We'll stick here on the Notre Dame game. Uh, just some quick highlights from the game. Joey Hauser had a 16-point, 10-rebound double-double. Aaron Henry put in 14 points, eight boards, three assists, four blocks. I think he had a couple steals. Absolutely stuffed the stat sheet. Uh, Rocket Watts added 13 points, six assists. Uh, and the Spartans notably went on a 26-0 run uh, towards the end of the first half and into the second half. The score wasn't quite indicative of how the game actually went. Spartans were in control uh, from halftime, never really a doubt. So I guess, yeah, we'll kick it back to you, Luke. What do you think about this game? What do you think about this win? What are your takeaways? I think one of the things that stood out to me, and this developed pretty quickly um, during the game in the first half, you know, there was a lot said about Aaron Henry not really being that alpha, only taking three shots against Eastern Michigan, and Tom Izzo wanting to get him involved more. And the Spartans gave Aaron Henry a lot of early shots and a lot of early looks, and he really – he was that he was the catalyst for them pretty much all game long. You know, a, a modest 14 points. It's not like he completely lit up the stat sheet, but it you know, they got him involved pretty quickly. Um Rocket Watts too. You know, we'll talk a little bit more about that Duke game uh second on the team with 13 points. He kind of reestablished his health in that game. Um but I think the two players that stood out to me the most uh, in that game for Michigan State was Marcus Bingham Jr. and Thomas Kithier. I think you know, they kind of platooned at the five for the majority of the game. You know, there wasn't a ton of Julius Marble. There wasn't a ton of Marty Sissoko. Um, They both got a lot of run. Um, you know, Thomas Kithier, I think, was a little better on the offensive end. Uh, not, not a ton of scoring, but um, gave them some second-chance opportunities, was great on the offensive boards. Um, and, you know, some areas where it didn't show up on the stat sheet, but he had a hell of a game. And then Marcus Bingham Jr. had some blocks. It was a block party at the Breslin. What what didn't they have like twelve blocks for the game, Trent? Ten blocks at halftime too. Ten yeah. blocks at halftime. I think Henry had four of them. Bingham had three of them. It was just yeah, it was outrageous. Very fun to watch too. This this seemed like that this game the game that Spartan fans have waited for for two years with Marcus Bingham Jr. Just really establishing himself as a defensive force, not only on the boards, but you know. You know, further away from the basket, he had active hands on defense, defending ball screens. You know, he got a couple hands in passing lanes. You know, I think he had a couple steals as well during that game. Really active on defense. And just, you know, Brendan talked about Foster Lawyer really being locked in defensively against Duke. Marcus Bingham Jr. was just really, really locked in defensively against a pretty big Notre Dame front line. He had some, you know, matchups in that game that, you know, there were some pretty tall guys going up against him in Durham and Leshevsky. Uh, both 6'10", 6'11", guys. So I think my biggest takeaway is really good contributions from Thomas Kithier and Marcus Bingham. Uh, not necessarily showing up on the stat sheet, but they had a pretty big impact on that game if you watched. Yeah, Marcus Bingham definitely was my standout player too. Seven points, seven boards, four blocks, and a steal. And he's he's just trending in the right direction right now. He 
He showed a little bit against Eastern. He improved even more against Notre Dame. He was a little bit quieter against Duke, but he was affecting shots out there. And, you know, this is a, a nine-man, ten-man deep roster, this Michigan State team, so there's not going to be room for everybody to have a breakout game every game. But, yeah, Bingham played really well. A couple of other things that stood out was Michigan State's defense, especially in that first half. They finished the game with nine steals and 12 blocks total. They held Notre Dame to shooting just 35% from the floor for the whole game. And that, that like, 12-minute stretch to end the first half and start the second half, they looked like the best I've seen them since I've been at Michigan State. And if they can keep that up and, and moving forward, they're definitely going to wake up the rest of the nation as being one of the best teams in the country. Um, the, the one drawback that I saw was at the half, Michigan State had scored 20 points off of turnovers. I talked about this in our uh, post-game recap at the Breslin Center. They had 20 points off of turnovers at half, and they finished the game with just 20 points off of turnovers. So they didn't score off of any turnovers in the second half. And towards the end of the game, uh, the reserves got in there, and, and Notre Dame was able to claw back a little bit, Luke, as you mentioned. And the same thing kind of happened with Duke, but it was with the starters. So I think Michigan State just really needs to make sure that they – keep their momentum all the way through the final whistle and don't let teams have even a sniff of getting back in the game. Yeah, great takeaways from you guys. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more about the defense. I don't think you can say enough about how great of defense the Spartans have played, obviously, for the, through the first two games against much lesser opponents. But then, you know, against Duke, and we'll get to that in a second, you're now 3-0 and with a really good win under your belt. And that 26-0 run, against Notre Dame was the most fun I've had watching Spartan basketball in a very long time, since the Final Four run, probably. It was, I mean, it was – everything was hitting, man. I mean, and the Spartans were having their way on defense, both down low, uh, on the perimeter. There is not a single player right now on this roster who gets minutes. And, and Brendan, you mentioned they go 9-10 deep. It's crazy. There is not a single player on this roster – who is a liability on defense. And I know a lot of people are just going to look at, the pa look at paper and they're going to say Foster Lawyer. Uh, if you watch the Duke game, he's playing like a dog and he's not giving an inch and that's worth something. Getting on the floor and, and, just, and just throwing his weight around, even though it's not that much weight, he plays hard. And that, I mean, this, this whole roster from top to bottom, is, it starts on the defensive end. And I think a lot of that has to do with the type of coach that Tom Izzo is. And a lot of it has to do with having Joshua Lankford back in the mix on the floor. It just looks great on the perimeter, on the interior. And that's something to watch the rest of the season for the Spartans. Other than that, I was really impressed with Aaron Henry being a little bit more aggressive than he was in that season opener against Eastern Michigan. Um, and again, doing everything. I mean, he stuffed the stat sheet, like we mentioned earlier, um, 14 points, eight boards, three assists, four blocks. He's all over the place. And I mean, that's when you realize why he was on the Naismith preseason watch list because he's, a, he's able to do those sorts of things. Rocket Watts also getting back into the mix here off the bench once again uh, in this Notre Dame game. But again, I, I think the biggest takeaway you have to take away from this one is that 26-0 run. I guess my question for you guys is, are you a little concerned about taking their foot off the gas in the second half? I personally am not, but now you've seen that also happen against Duke. It really, uh, and we'll get to that game in a sec, but it really, um, neither game was as close as the final score showed. So are you concerned about this at all for the Spartans? Yeah, that is a small area of concern for me. I'd like to see them really put the pedal to the metal in these next two games against uh, Detroit Mercy and Western Michigan um, because Duke was is a team that, you know, they hadn't had a lot of time to play together. There are a lot of freshmen. They haven't really gelled. I'm sure 
they'll be fine come March, but they definitely have some work to do right now to get where they need to be. And, but if we get into big 10 play and Michigan state is still struggling, closing games out and against Iowa and Illinois and Wisconsin, they're going to find themselves in a world of hurt and giving up a, a historic comeback to, to a really good big 10 team who are Illinois has some veterans. Iowa has veterans. So does Wisconsin, all similar to Michigan state. They're not freshmen who haven't played together yet. So if, if they struggle to, to finish through the final whistle, they're going to find themselves losing a game that they shouldn't. I think all great basketball players, the great ones, they're closers. Last year on Michigan State, they had a couple great closers in Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman, both of which who are now they, – they're both moved on to the NBA. I think Michigan State, it's going to take some time to figure out, you know, who are the closers going to be on this year's Michigan State team. I mean, just talking right now, I think Aaron Henry and Rocket Watts could be in line to be closers. Uh, you know, Foster Lawyer could be a potential closer for them this year, too. You know, Izzo said after the, the Duke game that Foster played like a captain in that win, you know, against Duke at Cameron Indoor Stadium. So, you know, it's not – I'm not super concerned about it. You know, Izzo probably doesn't mind it because it's something he can – you know, it's practice material. Um, you know, they had some – problems with missed free throws too in that Duke game that we'll get into a little bit more um so it'll be some practice material it'll be some motivational material um but it'll be interesting to see what players develop into Michigan State's closer and you know I think that number one closer is probably going to be Aaron Henry who really you know came out as the alpha against Duke um and he's hasn't been in that role before so he's going to develop into it um but that's something I'd anticipate you know look for those players these next couple weeks I'd say yeah, if you look – before we dive into the Duke game, if you look at the way both games ended here, it was kind of – you know, the Notre Dame game was never in doubt. The Duke game, it was solely because it's Duke. Michigan State never beats Duke. Uh, and it was just kind of one of those things where you're like, oh, my gosh, like now it's a three-point game here. What, what's going on? And you mentioned free throw shooting, and that is a huge part of closing. So I think that, yes, Foster Lawyer could absolutely be one of your closers – uh, he missed a couple of free throws down the stretch, but that's not like him at all. He's an exceptional free throw shooter. So, yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, it, it's just you look for the Spartans to slam the door in those situations, but it is still very, very young on the seat. So that's just something to keep an eye on. Um, moving right along, let's hop into the Duke game then. Let's do the business. Spartans pick up a historic win versus number six Duke to improve to 3-0 by a final score of 75-69. to um, Start of the game, sloppy, horrible. Uh, I, I'm sure you guys have some numbers for it for me. Uh, this was the first game of the season that I kind of just watched as a fan. Didn't have any post-game writing to do. Didn't really watch the numbers. But um, just watching the flow of the game, it really – I mean, the Spartans should have ran away with it by halftime, really. I mean, if you look at uh, – Brendan wrote a great column about it, so everyone go check that out uh, on the Impact 89FM website. But this Duke team is young, and Michigan State is a, is a veteran team. Obviously, no – seniors you've got your one graduate student Joshua Langford but everyone else in the rotation has you know a lot of mileage and they've got they you know they haven't necessarily made a run with last year's tournament getting canceled but they've been battle tested and they played these tough games and when you got a coach like Tom Izzo who's going to game plan against a guy like Coach K I mean you expected it to be a little bit more a little bit less gritty I would say I, I was kind of expecting it to be more of a shootout high scoring affair and just kind of like throwing haymakers all game wasn't really the case. Duke came out strong, but a lot of it had to do with the Spartans turning the ball over. Um, but here, here's just – I'll kick it to you guys in a second. Just to give some numbers, Aaron Henry had 14-5-5. Five five. Uh, Joey Hauser and Malik Hall both had double-doubles. Rocket Watts put up a 20-piece. 
and Julius Marble, Luke Sloan's guy, so I'll kick it to you first, goes five for five from the floor, scores a career-high dozen points. So, Luke, what did you think of the win, and what did you think of your guy Julius Marble in this one? I just want to – it's been a pretty big week of bragging rights for me and the, the men's basketball guys at the Impact. Uh, Brendan can attest to this. The first thing I did after the game yesterday, uh, Eric Bach and Brendan did a fantastic job on the call. I was the broadcast anchor for the game back at, back at HQ. But I went into the conference room and I said, hey, how about that Julius Marvel take I had a couple podcasts ago? And he had a great game, 5 of 5, clean from the field, 12 points and just 12 minutes of play. And I really think that, you know, I'm going to scale it back a little bit from my breakout Julius Marble take into more of a, a larger Michigan State theme. After the game, Julius Marble and his postgame presser said, you know, in conversations with Tom Izzo, he was a little bit discouraged about not getting as much playing time in the first couple games of the year. But Izzo tells his team, you know, hey, we could we need anybody to step up on any given night. And you might play a lot this game and not as much this game, you know, or vice versa. And this was the the game that Mark or that Julius Marble was asked to step up in, and he did. And really that could go for any of these Michigan State players. You know, it could be Thomas Kithier in the next game. It could be Gabe Brown a game after that. It's you know, and for a guy who didn't play that much headed into this game, Julius Marble looked really, really ready to go in the biggest game of the year so far against Duke and historically one of the bigger ones for Michigan State. Um, but some some big picture stuff about this game for Michigan State. Uh, Aaron Henry was 7-21. Rocket Watts was 7-16. So, you know, the first big game comes and goes, and you see those two as your main guys, your alphas that are taking the majority of the shots in the bigger games. Um, a lot of Spartan fans could have predicted that, um, and it kind of came true in this game. Joey Hauser, he had a double-double, 11 and 10. He looked very, very steady. You know, he was a steadying presence in a big game for Michigan State. You know, they didn't get as much from a Josh Langford or a Marcus Bingham or a Gabe Brown in this game, but a double-double like Trent mentioned from Malik Hall in 29 minutes of play. Foster Lawyer was a player I really liked to uh, step up in this game. He was in the right spot defensively consistently all game long. I think Brendan mentioned he drew – three charges. Um, he was in the right spot all game long. He was tough, dialed in defensively. Um, so it was an overall nice win for Michigan State, but I would like to see them finish a little bit better uh, as we talked about a little bit earlier. Yeah, I think you brought up a good point with Foster. Foster was my player of the game for Michigan State. It, they were in deep doo-doo to start that first half. They got down 13-3. to three. Aaron and uh, Aaron Henry and Rocket Watts were forcing bad shots and not making anything. They couldn't stop Duke in transition. It looked like Jalen Johnson was about to have 25 points against them. And Foster Lawyer came in, and you could just see it in his eyes. He was just locked in, and he was he was talkative the whole time, being the vocal leader and captain that he is. And he was the catalyst defensively for Michigan State to finally get stops. And then if you just stop them enough – you're going to put the ball in eventually on the other side of the floor. And that's what happened. You know, Foster lawyer had an invisible game on the box score. I think he finished with three points and maybe an assist, but he drew three charges. He dove for a loose ball and called timeout to give Michigan state possession when they were on the defensive side of the floor. And he's, he, he was a player coach out there kind of like Aaron Henry was in that game too. And I think Julius Marble really fed off of lawyers leadership. I think Aaron Henry and rocket Watts, saw Foster doing that and said, okay, now it's my turn. 
I got to go out there and make a play and, and get us back in this game. And that's what happened. And, and they made that run in the first half to take the lead right before, right before the break. And then they came out in the second half beautifully. Um, and I, I was just really happy to see that from Foster. Yeah, Brendan, you hit the nail on the head as far as Foster Lawyer goes. And I, I want to back up to the beginning of his career for a second, because I think when he showed up here in East Lansing, the expectations were high for better or for worse. Because anytime you have a player like that who is that unbelievable in uh, you know, high school at Clarkson, Michigan, and then you come to you come to a college in your hometown state or whatever the case may be, like you're your home still. Everyone knows who you are. Everyone a lot of people have seen you play, and they're kind of waiting for that moment to happen. Obviously playing behind Cassius Winston for the first two years. But this year, coming out against Eastern Michigan starting the season with a 6-for-11 three-point performance and 20 points, and then dropping down to just three points and three points against Notre Dame and Duke. Uh, and I think people, if you just look at that on paper, they're going to say he's underperforming. But that is not the case. You have to watch this guy play. He is undersized. He makes up for it with the little things. It's the grittiness, the leadership, and you're exactly right. He's the quarterback out there, and that's why Tom Izzo made him a captain. Uh, he learned a ton playing behind Cassius Winston, I have to imagine. His father was a coach in the NBA for a little while, great high school coach. It's a basketball family. He understands the game, and he has a spot on this team, and I think that's what people need to keep sight of, you know, despite these three-point performances. You know, it's not in him coming off the bench as well. You know, as you play these more athletic teams, it is the right call to have Rocket Watts in the starting lineup. So I guess I want I want to uh, segue into this, guys. I mean, my question for you is, do you expect Rocket Watts to continue to start, and do you see any changes in the starting lineup as we move forward to the next two games? I really liked um, both of your comparisons talking about Foster. Um, Brendan, you mentioned that he really fostered. Hey, there's my pun. The, you know, that I was found it. happen, right? It was just going to flow right out no matter what. Foster lawyer fostering the first half comeback. I was a little bit worried that I wasn't going to be able to come up with one, but natural instincts just took over. Very uh, nice. But, yeah, he really was the catalyst of that first half comeback for Michigan State. And then, Trent, I really liked your point as well about calling him kind of the quarterback of this team, a really nice steadying force, especially when they needed it most. Um, you know, talking about this debate a little bit, Rocket Watts was really spectacular uh, running the break against Notre Dame. He had some nice passes on, off the break against Notre Dame, uh, ran the floor really well, which is, you know, another good sign for his health. And then his health has really been put to bed uh, after this Duke game. I think we're probably going to call him fully healthy just moving forward. But the, the half-court offense got a little bit stagnant at times with Rocket Watt in, it, Watts in charge of it, um, you know, once again, he's continuing to develop into a pure point guard. That wasn't his role on this team last year. He was at the two with Cassius Winston running the point. So that's going to come with time. But Foster Lawyer, you know, he's been in this system for three years and playing point guard for three years. And the, the half-court offense had a little bit more pep in it when he was in there, especially in the first half. Um, you know, they got off to kind of a sluggish start. That's when Foster wasn't in the game running the point necessarily. You know, this is no indictment on Rocket. You know, he's going to develop into a point guard as the season continues to go along, and I'm sure he's going to pick it up a little bit more in the half court. Um, but in terms of how this team fits together right now, I'd say Lawyer's the better play in the better player in the half court on offense, and Rocket's the better player out in transition. So it wouldn't surprise me if you saw them play together. 
You know, you've seen them play together at certain points during this season. I could see that continuing moving forward, but I'm going to give Rocket the nod in the starting lineup moving forward. Um, you know, Lawyer could be that first man off the bench and they could play together. Um, but you, you have a lot of pluses with Rocket running the break, very athletic defensively, stays in front of guys. It's a part of his game that's not talked about enough is what he does defensively. And he looks comfortable when he showed up against Duke. So I think they're going to keep rolling with him. Yeah, Sloan, I think you bring up a good point about the half-court offense with Rocket out there running the point that it can get a little bit stagnant. But I think if the offense is going to get stagnant between Lawyer and Watts, you'd rather have Rocket in there because offensively Rocket is more of a playmaker than Lawyer is. He's more athletic. He's a, he's a better scorer. He's more dynamic. And when things go south and you need a quick shot with five seconds left on the shot clock – I, I like the odds of the ball getting to Rocket faster or better, I mean, than, uh, than, than getting to Lawyer. Um, and I like Rocket's defense a little bit better. I will say I've been really impressed with Lawyer's defense. I was definitely one of the doubters prior to the season of his ability uh, to defend. And he's, he really showed out, especially against Duke. He, I think he, he only gave up one basket uh, against Duke on a backdoor cut. When he was on ball, though, and there were players like DJ Stewart and Jeremy Roach who are – much faster and more athletic than lawyer. He didn't let them get by him. You know, he was not giving up points. And uh, I was really impressed with that. Yeah, uh, great, great insight from you guys. Go ahead, Luke. Oh, yeah, my bad, my bad. Oh, you're all right. We'll chalk that up as number two, the times I've stepped on people this year. Okay, <laughs> you're all right. I got, I got the board on here. It's hard on Zoom. Um, but, you know, this really could have been a game, and I think it was a game that, that Foster Lawyer really, really took to heart. I mean, he struggled against Duke last year at the Breslin Center. Um, you know, he, I can't remember what player it was for Duke when he got – I think he actually got stepped on um, last year uh, running on the break down the floor. But this is a game that you could tell he took to heart. And he came out, you know, obviously no Cameron crazies, but Michigan State got their first win at Cameron Indoor ever. And he showed up in this game. Tom Izzo, you know, said he played like a captain. I believe he played like a captain. And he just looked in control and ready and prepared and dialed in. Um, you know, the coming out party for Foster Lawyer is continuing. I mean, he was good against Eastern, struggled a little bit against Notre Dame. Um, you know, he, he was in a, a tough position defensively a couple times, had to bail himself out with a foul. But then a bounce back game against Duke in a, on a big stage. Um, I think his progression is going to continue. Um, I'm really interested in, in seeing how his role is going to evolve. Yeah, three big Foster Lawyer uh, fans here on the podcast, to say the least. Um, so let's just let's keep moving then, guys. I, I, that brings me to this. I want to ask you guys, was Duke overrated at all? Do you think that uh, – big picture, I mean, coming into this game, ranked number six after just a 10-point win against a mid-major and uh, jumping from nine to six in the first week of the season in the rankings. So I want to ask you, Brennan, first, did you think Duke was a little overrated? I think overrated might be the wrong word. I would say more unprepared and just very young. And one thing that didn't everybody was talking about Jalen Johnson in that game against Coppin State. Now, don't get me wrong. It's Coppin State. So that's one thing that we need to take into account when mentioning his stat line. But he did go eight for eight from the field, had 19 points and 19 boards. And that's a huge stat line. But nobody mentioned his seven turnovers. Nobody, no player like Jalen Johnson, number 13 in the nation out of high school, should have seven turnovers against a team like Coppin State. That flew way under the radar prior to the Michigan State game. And then 
Duke just hasn't had a lot of time to prepare. I mean, if you look as a percentage-wise, the number of minutes that people like Aaron Henry and Rocket Watts and Foster Laurie have played in college basketball compared to Jalen Johnson and DJ Stewart, it's astronomical, the difference. And these, this, is, this Michigan State team is probably the toughest competition that any of those guys have ever faced in their life up to this point. So I think Michigan State was just better prepared. They're, they're more experienced at changing the game plan and working their way back after being down. We saw it in the first half. Michigan State got down quickly, and they quickly fought back, switched things around defensively, turned the switch on, you know, and they got back in the game. But when Duke was down, they started forcing bad shots. They, 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 were, for, they were giving up turnovers. They were giving the ball away. They couldn't stop anybody in transition, uh, and, it, and it really hurt them. And um, I still – think that this is a, a good win for Michigan State you know there's no fans at Cameron Indoor and stuff like that and this is a a young Duke team but Duke is going to be good I think come March time Coach K is going to have them right Coach K in my opinion I think in most people's opinion the greatest college basketball coach of all time so I don't think Duke should be worried but I don't think uh, this was like a fluke win or anything Michigan State definitely earned this you know, Jalen Johnson, number 13 overall recruit, as Brendan mentioned. But I don't know if this Duke team has got, you know, it's Jaleel Okafor or it's Vernon Carey or it's Jabari Parker or it's Zion Williamson. Like, you know, Jalen Johnson, I'm sure he's going to develop into that guy who's on the game day graphic for Duke. But I don't know if they have that player right now. I 1,000, 1 million percent anticipate Duke to just keep getting better. Coach K absolute legend, you know, DJ Stewart, Johnson, plenty to work with on this team, plenty of talent. You know, they just need some more time to gel together. You know, maybe they don't have, maybe this Duke team doesn't have the future number one overall pick or, you know, a future top five pick on it. You know, maybe Johnson develops into that eventually, but I, you know, all trust is, is put in coach K and, you know, he's, he's going to get this ship back in the right direction. Um, But still, I don't, I'm not going to, that's not to take anything away from this win from Michigan State. They still, you know, slayed the dragon, climbed to the top of the mountain in this one. Well, nonetheless, Duke is 500, uh, not something you see very often. But, uh, yeah, you would expect Coach K to keep the, right the ship, so to speak. But you guys, you know, we've mentioned first win for the Spartans at Cameron Indoor Stadium ever. So I want to ask you guys, where does this rank among regular season wins by Tom Izzo? He's got a lot of great wins. But where does this rank just in terms of the historic, uh, you know, the, the history factor of it and the fact that it's in a pandemic and all that kind of stuff? Where do you rank this? I think this is definitely up there for Coach Tom Izzo. And I think it would, it would almost easily be his best regular season win of all time if there were fans at Cameron Indoor because that's an entirely different atmosphere. But just the way that he was able to coach them back in that first half and keep his players motivated and utilize his bench. I thought he did a really good job with substitutions and getting guys in and out at the right time where they can uh, excel at the, at the highest rate. Um, obviously I am not as familiar as you two older gentlemen with, with some of Izzo's best regular season wins because uh, he's been around quite a while, but this is definitely up there for me, probably within the top five, because this is still a very good Duke team. And, and you just look at, the history and everything was pointing to Duke coming away with this win. And, um, you know, but it's 2020 and crazy things happen. And, you know, it's just a, a crazy outcome that, that most people probably didn't expect. And so it's only right that 
Michigan State came out with it. We're three games in, you know, a lot of basketball left to be played. But this was a big one for Izzo, and so far it's been a hell of a coaching job this season for Izzo. They lost Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman, two huge presences in the locker room and on the court. And so far, you know, in games big and small this year, they haven't, you know, obviously they've missed them, but their play hasn't necessarily missed them a ton. There's been guys that have stepped up. We've talked about Aaron Henry, Foster Lawyer, Marcus Bingham, Joey Hauser coming in. There's guys stepping up into their roles, but this team is developing its next style and gelling together pretty quickly. You know, the classic Tom Izzo team really starts gelling, going into Big Ten season, coming toward the tournament. Um, But maybe that curve is going to be accelerated a little bit this year because this team certainly looks advanced um, for, for where they're at, for it being this early in the season. And for it being a new crew, I mean, it's, it's a veteran crew. I mean, it's a sophomore, junior, heavy roster. Obviously, you have Hauser, the transfer, you know, the graduate student, Josh Langford. So it's, a, it's an experienced roster, but this is their first time where these are the guys that take home wins for Michigan State. And I think they're ahead of the curve in terms of Izzo teams in the past. And I think that falls at Izzo's feet and talks about the kind of coaching job he's done this year in a pandemic. And this Duke game reflects that. So I think that's why this is a big one for Izzo in terms of where it stacks up all-time regular season. And it's going to be interesting to see how the development continues this season because it almost seems like they're ahead of the curve. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because it's only game four on Friday. But I've been pretty impressed with what they've been able to put out there on the floor this early in the season. Yeah, I've been impressed as well. When I when I think about, you know, the great all-time Tom Izzo regular season wins, I think of the Champions Classic. I think it was 2013, uh, MSU versus Kentucky, one versus two. You get that win. That was a big one. I think of, you know, beating Michigan in 2018, last game of the season, to, to get a share of the Big Ten outright and Coach Izzo crying on the sideline when Matt McQuaid checked out. You know, that kind of stuff. That's what I think of. But this one, I mean – Seeing the way people reacted on Twitter, it's just a big legacy builder, I think, for Izzo, which sounds really ridiculous that he needs to, you know, prove anything to anybody. But, um, yeah, a huge win, nonetheless. Historic, and the Spartans no longer are afraid to go to Cameron Indoor. The mark of a big win is uh, Flames at Cedar Village, and I believe there was Flames at Cedar Village last night. I don't think it was uh, publicized a ton. I was snug in my bed here uh, watching college basketball. But I think I did see a Twitter video that there was some kind of fire uh, at Cedar Village. So if that means it's a big win, then that checks the box off. I don't know. I don't know what you guys saw. Yeah, that's pretty good criteria. I think you might have seen Rocket Watch's hand uh, over (laughs) at TV. I think that's what it was. Somebody somebody doused that thing in kerosene and then gave him a match, which I was very happy to see. Man, Izzo says he's not healthy right now, but if this is him laboring a little bit, What's he going to be like at 100%? Because that's an exciting thought. Brendan, Brendan Quinn, uh, writer for The Athletic, Michigan State and Michigan writer, put it perfectly in a tweet. He said, Michigan State looks really good when Rocket Watch becomes a total badass. And I think that's absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun to watch him the rest of the season. And we, I'll tell you right now, you better take it while you can get it because this guy might be heading to the NBA uh, after this season. Probably should. But um, last question for you guys before we start to preview uh, some of the games upcoming. Um, where do you expect the Spartans to be ranked next week? Now 3-0, and um, you know, the rankings come out on Mondays. If they take care of business this weekend, which we'll get into in a few minutes here, 
they'll be 5-0 and uh, after this first five games of the season. So where are you going to rank them at? I think this the, the Michigan State team is, is almost guaranteed a top five spot at this point, given that number six Duke loss, obviously. Uh, at the time that we're recording this, it's a Wednesday night in which number two, Illinois, and number five, Baylor, are scheduled to tip off in about an hour and a half. So a top five team is guaranteed to lose in that game. And uh, right now, as we're recording, Gonzaga, who's number one in the nation, is in a tight game in the second half with West Virginia. So I think uh, with the way that Michigan State has played against Notre Dame defensively, going on that 26-0 run, they played really well defensively against Duke. Aaron Henry and Rocket Watts really made names for themselves. I think it's really hard to keep them out of the top five in the nation. And they'll likely be 5-0 and with by the time the next polls come out with wins against uh, Detroit Mercy and Western. And I think a 5-0 and Michigan State team with a top 10 win over Duke and the, and the fashion that they've beaten Duke, Eastern, and Notre Dame, it's really hard to keep them out of the top five in the nation right now. I'm in agreement with you, Brendan Shabaf, uh, for the record. Um, Duke came in at number six before the game yesterday. Um, you know, Wisconsin is at number four. They don't have any super impressive wins yet this year. Um, you mentioned that Illinois and Baylor are matching up later tonight, uh, time of recording Wednesday. So uh, if you're listening to this on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you'll know the results of that game. So there's expected to be a little bit of movement in the top five, top ten. Um, and I also expect Michigan State to, to launch themselves into the top five. You know, pretty quality win against Notre Dame. Um, I'm sure as the season goes along and the Irish are probably going to be a decent team, you know, that, that's a quality win. And then, a, a, you know, a tier one win, you know, against Duke. Um, I think it's probably a pretty good lock that they'll be in the top five. Well said, in harmony as usual. Um, I guess I want to ask you guys, before we start to preview the games against Detroit Mercy and Western Michigan this weekend, let's, let's circle back finally to the NBA news that we got as the podcast kicked off. Uh, Russell Westbrook, point guard for formerly the Houston Rockets, uh, being sent to the Washington Wizards in exchange for John Wall and a first-round pick. Uh, this means that Cassius Winston will be playing behind Russell Westbrook. And I guess, Brennan, I'll ask you first, how do you think this affects Cassius's rookie season? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? What do you think? Uh, I think there's some good and some bad to it. I think uh, Westbrook, one, might not be – very pleased with the destination in Washington. Uh, I think he was looking more towards going to a, a bigger contender, uh, leaving Houston to, for an NBA championship. But, you know, Westbrook is Westbrook, and he's going to go and try to silence all the haters that he got. He got a lot of hate this year for his performance in the bubble, really didn't play up to his potential. And he's one of those guys who's going to go out there and, and go 150% every minute that he's on the floor and go full speed. And I mentioned this in regards to John Wall, and I think it still applies to Russell Westbrook as far as Cassius goes, it's someone very different for him to learn from because Cassius has never been the fastest and strongest and biggest. And John Wall and Russell Westbrook are arguably the two most athletic point guards in the NBA. And those are uh, he's going to get to learn under Westbrook now, and he was going to learn under John Wall. Bradley Beal is still over there. So I think there's some good people that he's going to learn from there. I just don't know how good of a mentor someone like Russell Westbrook is going to be for a younger player like Cassius, who, who is going to have a lot to learn and is going to be kind of wide-eyed and taking everything in uh, in the early goings. And he's not going to have a lot of time. The season starts 
uh, I believe in uh, just over 20 days or, or just under 20 days now, because we are in, we are in December now, I believe 18 days. So um, I think it's good. And I think it's, it's going to be interesting, but you know, just, just happy that he'll, he's going to have a star player to learn from. I, you know, my initial, th- I'll, I'll get into my thoughts about Cassius and how he falls into this, but interesting trade for both these teams in the NBA. This is not an NBA podcast. Um, you know, Russell Westbrook uh, pairing him with Bradley Beal in Washington is going to be interesting. Um, you, you'd figure that the Wizards are going to be in position to make the, the playoffs um, after this move in a weaker East. Rui Achimura, they have him, Thomas Bryant, Mo Wagner, Bertans. You know, they have some other pieces on that team. Ish Smith, a backup point guard. They have some pieces that they could make the playoffs. And then from the Houston perspective, picking up that first round pick is pretty nice if Washington doesn't make the playoffs and they somehow land in the lottery. Um, and then John Wall, it's been a minute since we've seen him on a basketball court. So it'll be interesting to see what he still has left in the tank. Um, but in terms of where Cassius falls in, in terms of the X's and O's and looking, this, looking at this from a depth chart perspective, um, he's still going to be the number three in line. It'll be Westbrook and then Ish Smith and then Cassius. So he's still going to be that third point guard on Washington. But in terms of the mentorship, I think someone like John Wall, a veteran of that town, a veteran of that franchise, would be a little bit more willing to take Cassius under his wing than a Russell Westbrook, who is probably going to be disgruntled. I'll have to check Twitter here after the episode. Um, and, you know, he's going to be new to that town. So in terms of the mentorship part, Russell Westbrook will still be able to offer some stuff, you know, bring some stuff to the table. But John Wall would have been a better mentor, for, especially for that city and that franchise, just because of his uh, history with the town and the club. Um, so in terms of, like, the playing time he's going to get, I don't think it affects it a ton. Um, but in terms of, like, the mentorship part of it, I think that's uh, going to change a little bit. Yeah, a couple of side narratives here for NBA junkies. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall are now reunited, uh, former teammates at Kentucky. There's a little college basketball tie-in. They are now playing together for Houston. And Russell Westbrook now playing for Kevin Durant's hometown team. So that's just funny stuff. I don't know, whatever. But um, as far as it goes, you know, I I love Russell Westbrook. I'm a big Russ fan. Um, I'm not really sure why. I think it's just because he does play 100% every single night. And that's something that I definitely think will – you know, rub off on Cassius a bit. I, not that he wasn't playing 100% every night. This is Cassius Winston we're talking about here. He's one of the most classy players we've ever seen, one of the most professional college players we've ever seen, and he's fantastic. But I think, you know, getting him up to speed in the NBA, I think, you know, there's I can't think of many guys better uh, to do that than Russell Westbrook in terms of his physique and, and staying in shape and preparing for the season and game planning and playing hard and uh, playing with a chip on your shoulder with something to prove. I think that those are all things – that are absolutely going to help Cassius Winston in Washington. But um, we put that to bed. We'll see, uh, you know, how the, yeah, like you said, Luke, the aftershocks on Twitter here, as I'm sure, as you guys said, Russell Westbrook won't be too happy about this trade. Or maybe he will. Who knows? But um, nonetheless, we got two more games to preview here quick to round out the show. Uh, the Spartans will play Detroit Mercy this Friday. Um, not, I, I don't really know a whole lot about Detroit Mercy. Again, this is a game you expect the Spartans to take care of. But do you guys have any specific predictions? Um, what do you think the starting five will look like? I'll say this. Um, I know Tom Izzo isn't always a, a coach that goes for the material things. But I could see him rewarding Julius Marble with a start here or something like that. Um, other than that, I think Rocket Watts will remain the starter um, as, as well as uh, um, Josh Langford, Aaron Henry, and Joey Hauser. 
So we'll see how that actually plays out. But what do you guys think? Who's going to start? How's the game going to go? What's your final score prediction? Luke, we'll go to you first. I've got the Spartans uh, winning both these games. Um, Detroit Mercy, uh, Brendan and I, shameless plug, will be on the call for that game. Trent will be uh, on the Twitter waves, and he'll be uh, breaking it down after the game. And I'm sure all three of us will be breaking it down after the game in a video. Um, We're not on the FM airwaves right now, so I can directly have calls to action. Uh, Follow us all for that game on Friday. The crew is going to be back in the Breslin. Uh, Excited for that one. I have Michigan State coming out with a 94-71 win in this one. Um, a pretty big, comfortable win. You know, there's some stuff that they can, you know, work on these next couple games in terms of finishing games, um, you know, always working on the turnovers, you know, with the Tom Izzo team. Free throws were kind of an issue against Duke. And continuing to kind of feel out that rotation. So this isn't a nothing game. It'll be important who plays well and who doesn't play well. Um, you know, as you know, this rotation is eventually going to become a little bit more concise. So every game matters in terms of, who stands out well and, and what lineups stand out well. Um, so, you know, he's going to, Izzo's going to continue playing 10, 11, 12 guys a game um, for this Mercy game and for this Western game. Um, so big win for the Spartans in each. I have 91, I have 94, 71 against Detroit Mercy. And then against Western, I'm going to go with 82 to 60 Clayton Bates in year one for Western Michigan. I still can't remember the name of their former coach who was there for years. Um, if either one, if either one of you uh, can give can give me his name, you know, I'm, I'm sad to say I'm not too familiar with the Mac. I'm not nearly as familiar with the Mac as I'd like to be. I'll say that. I can't remember his name, but cult, big time culture change going on for Western. They had a lot of transfers. You know, one of which Michael Flowers, pretty controversial transfer. Um, you know, there's some allegations that Western kind of did him dirty on the way out. Um, you know, I won't say anything that'll get me into trouble or read into that too much. Um, but you know, kind of a program in a rebuild mode. Um, so I see a pretty ha- uh, healthy win for Michigan State in this one as well. But plenty to work on in these games, so they're not nothing games. And you know, who plays well and who plays a lot definitely matters as this rotation continues to kind of smooth itself out. Yeah, I think these are going to be good games for Michigan State. You hit it, Sloan, right on the right on the noggin. These are definitely games that you can still improve in and still look to to get better. And that's going to be any game that you play. Uh, my score for Detroit Mercy, I have a little bit closer of a game, Sloan. I have an eleven point win for the Spartans, eighty seven to, or excuse me, a twenty one point win, eighty seven to sixty six. I believe that's what I wrote down. Yeah, eighty seven sixty six for You're Michigan. Taking- you're taking the Sloan technique. You're going with the under when everyone goes with that over. Yes. I, I, love think, it. I think you may have forgotten about uh, Antoine Davis uh, for Detroit Mercy. Averaged 28 points his freshman year, 26 points last year. I think he's he's one of the most dynamic scorers in Division One college basketball right now. He's still going to be out there. This is, this is the analysis we need right here. This is what I'm talking about. We should just have Brendan go first for all this kind of stuff. <laughs> He's, he's still going to be out there for, for our beloved Titans. And then I, I do happen to know uh, one player on Western Michigan. Shout out to Beardis White uh, from Canton. Played against him a little bit in high school over at uh, U of D Jesuit. He's friends of a couple of my teammates, a little bit closer with them than he is with me. But he's a solid player for them. I believe it's his freshman year or his sophomore year over there. Um, but, yeah, so in, in against Detroit Mercy, I have the Spartans winning 87-66. And then against Western, I have the Spartans taking the dub 75 to 60, a 15-point win there. I look for them to definitely increase 
their free throw percentage. They shot 64% against Duke. Uh, if you want to be a national championship team, in my opinion, you have to be anywhere from 80% and above. Um, that's a little pro tip, the, a big mark for picking your March Madness brackets. If you think it's going to be a close game, check the free throw percentage because it's going to come down to free throws at the end. Whoever makes those more is likely going to win that. But so I look for them to, to, to increase their free throw percentage um, and then uh, fix some turnovers a little bit and, and work out the kinks in, in the uh, half-court offense. But I think they're going to be good wins. Um, I've got this. Oh, Sloan, you got something to add? No, no I was just going to say I completely forgot the second part of the question. I completely neglected it during my predictions. Um, I think that starting lineup is going to remain the same as the Duke game. Just wanted to throw that in there. Big time unprepared moment for me on the pod. I, I just looked up at the dock and it was like a deer in headlights. So yeah, you, stink. you stink at this one, one pod suspension for you next all, week. All tough, tough. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I can't come up with words now. I'm going to protest <laughs> that suspension. I'm going to, pro, I'm going to protest it to the commissioner. So I'll, I'll see yeah, you. Luke I'll Sloan see you all flustered over here. So you've got the starting lineup staying the same. Pretty good. Um, let's say, let's say this. I mean, I, I think the Spartans handle both these teams pretty easily as you guys have kind of alluded to. I think they're going to beat the Titans 74 to 50. Um, I think you keep it rolling there. And the reason I have such a low scoring affair on Detroit Mercy's side is the Spartans defense. Um, and I, I would look for the same thing to happen against Western Michigan at that point. If you're 4-0, you're just, you know, nothing's going to stop you in your way at that point. Um, 68-55. I think maybe they let the foot off the gas a little bit in the second half like we saw against Notre Dame. Who knows? But uh, nonetheless, these are two big tune-up games, if you will, before the Spartans take on number 15 currently, Virginia. Um, on the 9th, we will have another podcast for you guys before then. Um, whether, whether or not Luke Sloan will win his appeal for his suspension, we'll find out later. But um, I guess I want to ask you guys, do you uh, – how, how, how big of a – how much of an emphasis do you put on these next two games looking ahead to a team like Virginia? These games are perfect games for a guy like Tom Izzo who loves to tune up his team after a win, after a loss, no matter what. And that's with any coach, but especially Izzo. He really loves to work out the kinks right away uh, as soon as the game gets done. And I think these are, these are the exact type of games that you can do that. Obviously – um, you know, formidable D1 opponents, but definitely uh, less capable than teams like Virginia and Big Ten play and stuff like that. Um, so these are really the games where you can try out new looks as a coach, try out new matchups, try out new defensive schemes, try out a new offensive set, and the perfect games to work out the kinks. These are the, these are the games that, as a player, you hate because, you know, you know you're going to go out there and win, or at least you have that mindset going into it but you still have to do everything right and do everything perfect. And, and you're going to, uh, Izzo's going to rip you a new one if you don't go out there and do things the right way. And uh, that's, that's kind of what these games are for. And that's really important leading into the game against Virginia, because although Virginia lost already this season, they're still a very good team and uh, it's going to be the Hauser bowl. And I'm really impressed with Sam Hauser so far this year and how good he's going to be. And I think Virginia's, uh, here to stay in the uh, ACC. So I think they'll be up there with Duke and North Carolina and stuff like that. And it should be a really good matchup in the Big Ten uh, ACC Challenge. Yeah, these two games are sandwiched in a pretty interesting spot in the schedule. You know, you always want to avoid that letdown, you know, for the Detroit Mercy game. Um, you know, following up a big Duke win, you're going to want to follow that up with another pretty nice feeling win. And then that Western game, 
never want to look ahead to the next game and look over Western, even though it's not a great Western Michigan squad that's kind of in a little bit of turmoil. Um, you know, a couple important games in terms of the mental side of things. And Izzo's going to stick on him for that. You know, we've mentioned the list of things that they need to iron out a little bit more before the next big game. And, you know, Tom Izzo going to work. He's a going to work coach. You know, I'm sure he's loving these days of practice. They're getting in here to tune up for that Virginia game. A couple of opportunities at home, the comfy confines of the Breslin. Uh, we'll be there for both of them. But, you know, a couple – every game is an opportunity for them to go out and prove themselves and more players to go out and prove themselves, you know, especially because there are so many guys on this deep roster that want to carve out a role. Every guy on this team needs to go into every game thinking, you know, if I stand out in this game and the next one, I could really cement my spot on this team down the stretch. So every game is important when a team is this deep and plays this many guys. Um, these two games, you know, no exception to that. Definitely cannot overlook these two games, but the Spartans favored heavily in both, I would imagine. Um, we will see where the lines are at come the Virginia game. Fellas, do we have any final thoughts before we put a bow on this one? Brendan, Doesn't what's sound like it? Sloan, got, how are you doing right now? You got a score update over there, Brendan? Uh, last, they're in a commercial break right now. Last I saw 51 51. They're tied with about eight minutes left. Jalen Suggs was injured, though. Uh, prior to us starting the recording, it uh, was in the locker room for a long time. He just came back out, though, and then, like, the first possession, he had an assist to Timmy. So, you know, it should be a good game. I'm, I'm hoping that for, for Michigan State's sake um, to climb the rankings, uh, West Virginia and Huggins can pull out a win here. I'm loving all these hoops that we got back on the schedule. It's not like yesterday during all those updates uh, during the broadcast, like when we were talking about Emmanuel – and South Alabama and Binghamton and all these. Shout out Caleb Hunter, though. Mississippi Valley State finished with eight points and I believe six assists, even though they lost to Grand Canyon. Still a good game from him. Friend of the podcast. Yes. Friend of the pod. Listen, I love I love NBA just as much as the next guy, and it was awesome to have that this summer, but it is a breath of fresh air to have college basketball back in the full swing of things. So uh, another great episode. From my guys here uh stay tuned for more content uh like like luke brought up earlier luke and brendan will be on the call for this game against detroit mercy on friday tune in impact 88.9 fm in the greater lansing area or you can stream it on our website on our app there's no excuse not to listen to these guys kill it so tune in i will be there as well we're all excited to be back in the breslin where we belong michigan state three and oh big week big week ahead uh this has been the impact this zone Stay tuned for more, and we will see you next time.